I want to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land in which this podcast is recorded, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, whose sovereignty was never ceded and this area's original name was Nam. We pay respect to them and their elders past, present and emerging. It's a little podcast, babe. I have just started listening to music. Panda <laughs> uh, fluffer, like it's very specific. There's no reason you can't have a cult focused on garlic bread. Oh, with the boys. With, 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 you uh, ate it. It tasted like you were eating poison. Yeah, you're right there, darling. First of all, that's not standard issue. Astronaut wear. Aren't you? Yeah, other people. I know what other people are, Annie. Oh my God. Tuck it into your waistband and sometimes be seen at the top of the waistband being like, you would be the most annoying ghost. You know what? I'd like to be better at bringing my cat into work in a sneaky way. Chicken, where do you get your protein from? I don't even know why I call you my best friend. Hi, B. Oh, hi, Annie. How are you doing? Good. I actually was thinking we never start this podcast by explaining to new listeners what this podcast is about. And I've obviously been cramming in lots of podcast listening mm-hmm. in isolation. Yeah. So I think that we're going to like go back to old school. Hi, new listeners. You're listening Sing to, to We, we Want to Be Better. better. And we're I'm pretty fabulous, but we could always be better. This is an upskilling comedy podcast. And I'm Annie and that's your voice, Bianca. You speak now. And I'm Bianca. Right. Just so that people don't get us confused. Apparently people do get us confused a lot and I do not see we sound so different. I thought that we sounded really different too, but no, apparently we don't. I don't know. So we've had a few people say that they don't know who's who. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm really happy to be taking credit for your jokes and things. <laughs> so I don't really want to clarify and at least, it. Yeah, and people will think that I have a kind heart. So <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it works for me actually. So this week as part of the theme of the show. Which is which we is want to be better. better. We're trying to get better at homeschooling. You're trying to get better at homeschooling. You're just just so happy and <laughs> smug yeah. that you don't have children. Yeah, do you know what I did during the week? So I um I've read two books. Um I went for a really nice long run. Uh I did many hours of netball and yeah, I mean I've had just so much time on my hands that I've just been filling it with endless hobbies. But I think <laughs> you know last week when we had those diary entries and we started off and with fake diary entries. Yeah. That, no, no, no. My Mine wasn't fake. <laughs> See, this is where you're confused, is that everyone thinks that was a fake diary entry. That was true. <laughs> I genuinely hate your fucking guts right now and all your smug I bloody have all the time in the world. Mm. I am tits deep in homeschooling. Yeah. I mean, I do. I feel for you. I feel for the teachers. I feel for the parents. I feel for the children. Everyone's doing it rough at the moment, except for me. Every, but everyone's doing it rough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's really hard. It is really hard. Yeah. I've tried to sort of say that on Instagram. I have found that it is a bit of a pissing competition. Parents think they've got it harder and then mm. teachers think they've got it harder. Like, I, it is not a competition. It's just really hard for us all at the moment and we're all trying to survive. Mm-hmm. And I thought that this week... You know, even if you don't have kids, this is a really good 
contraception. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This is – no, it actually is really good. Even if you've got small kids, Mm -hmm. even if you're thinking of going to have kids one day, even if you never want to have kids but maybe you want to have a little bit of empathy for your friends that have got kids Mm -hmm. or your friends that are teachers or maybe, you know, like I said, it's good form of contraception. This episode is for everyone regardless of your situation. And even – and even – and this is – might be controversial but I know that people already – do by choice teach their kids homeschooling but they're still at a disadvantage as it is because I do know of people that have their children in homeschool and a lot of the times they learn by going to places going to the museum going to the zoo just like learning at places they're not always just stuck at home learning and they can't do that either so everyone is in this thing of well what the hell do we do and how do we learn at home yeah we're all in a bit of a pickle so we so I thought it would be good. <laughs> so I thought I have a friend that's a teacher. I'll ask her if she wants to come on the show. She said yes. Oh, I was so excited. Oh, you were excited. A teacher. Yeah, you thought, oh my god, wow, B, that's amazing. The answer to my prayers, almost. You know, mm-hmm. a teacher friend. Until you found out who it was. Yeah, look, it's the other Annie. It's the other Annie. Um. <laughs> yeah, look. Uh, She's a teacher. She's a teacher. So I've got respect for her there. She could change her name and then we'd be fine. But, you know. So for those of you who don't know, and I'm sure you would know if you've listened to the podcast, I have a friend called Annie. And um, Annie doesn't like it. But you know what? She's here. She's going to chat to us on the podcast and here's us talking to her. Yeah. And give us some tips on how we survive everything at the moment. This um, episode actually is more about directed towards parents. So this is not an episode necessarily about how hard teachers have it at the moment. Uh, This is more from a teacher giving me a parent advice. Yeah. I hope it helps any other parents out there going through this homeschooling nonsense right now. And before we get into it, Annie is amazing and has had so look at me admitting she's amazing god I hate myself she is though she's really amazing and she has a lot on her plate because she is a teacher and she's still managed to fit us in which I think is really lovely she does do art as her little side project Mm -hmm. so her Instagram handle for that is night underscore eyes so it's in night time Yeah. So, you know, we don't ask for Patreon or anything like that for this podcast. We bloody should, (laughs) (laughs) but we don't. If you could get out there and uh, give Annie some support and maybe buy one of her art pieces, I think she's getting like thinking about even doing tea towels and tote bags and stuff if she can get the support around. So if you could go and support her and thank her for coming on the podcast to give her insights, that would be amazing. All right, here we go. I actually can't believe this is happening. I can't believe you, Annie, actually agreed to this. Begrudgingly. <laughs> no, do you know what? That's how bad homeschooling has gotten that you're allowing this <laughs> guest on again. Okay, we've got Annie Nolan and Annie Clayton, right? Annie Clayton mm-hmm. is the guest. Annie, hello, welcome. Hello, thank and- you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and Annie Clayton plays netball with me, and Annie Nolan, my co host, is threatened. 
by the fact that there's another Annie in my life and you're actually oh. here on the podcast. I am, but I, I can relate. Like, there's not many of us, so, like, you can get quite territorial. Like, when another one shows up, it's kind of like, hmm. I think that friendship-wise, Bianca, I just didn't think that you'd ever have another one. And I think the thing is, is that before I knew Bianca, she had a friend called Annie, right? And then Ooh. when I came along, I pushed her out. Like, yeah. that sounds really bad, but that's kind of what happened. Yeah, it's pretty. It's exactly what <laughs> it's happened. It's exactly what happened. <laughs> and then I thought, okay, so I'm her Annie now. And then mm-hmm. you came along and I'm like... Wait, hold on. <laughs> I, know how this, <laughs> I know how this happens. Yeah. No, no, no. Both of you. Now keep your enemies close, yeah. I say. <laughs> so welcome. And the thing is as well, when uh, you came into my netball group and I told Annie about you, Annie was like, well, is her name actually Annie or is it short for something? Because I bet it's short for something. It's probably not Annie. And so then I asked you and you said, no, my name is just Annie. And then. She Annie freaked out. I got to tell you, she <laughs> show me the birth certificate. I did like the full like Barack Obama, you know, with like everyone's yeah. like, yeah, well, show you the birth certificate then. Yeah, I was like, are you sure? Are you sure it's Annie or is it Annabelle? Oh, people wish people wish it was short for something. I but- know, don't they? It's so common that people are like, nah, it can't be your name. I'm like, uh, there's so many. Annie's out there. There's Annie Get Your Gun. There's Annie the Orphan. There's Annie Are You Okay? Do you know what happened to me last night? This is slightly off topic, but it's about names. I was sitting in my home and these kids were out the front with their dog and Palmer was talking to them because our dog ran out to greet their dog. And then they started looking through the window and they were like, oh, who's that? And Palmer's like, oh, that's our cat Monty. And like, who's that? Oh, that's our kitten Muchka. And then they're like, who's that? And pointed at me. And Palmer said, oh, that's my wife. And they go, what's her name? And Palmer goes, Bianca. And they said, Bianca. And I was like, these little kids are making fun of me. And Palmer comes inside and they're like, what's her name again? Bianca. And I was like, these little shitty kids. I was like, close the blinds. And then they came back five minutes later and start, tried to look through the blinds to look at the freak show that is his wife. I'm so embarrassed. You're getting bullied in your own home. How does that even happen? I'm getting bullied by children. And I was oh. like, don't say my name like that because no wonder they're making fun. And he's like, I just said your name. And I was like, so there's something wrong. I was like, great. Now I have to change my name. <laughs> And that actually is a great segue to today's topic, the awfulness of children. (laughs) (laughs) They're just missing out. They don't have a chance to bully like other kids at school, so they just had to branch out. Now they just bully like (laughs) random women in their homes. And I felt so so weird. I'm just sitting there on display to these kids. And I was enjoying myself watching television and then all of a sudden I'm threatened by these little kids. Kids have got acid tongues. Annie, you are a school teacher. I am indeed. I teach grade two threes at a little primary school in Williamstown. So, yeah. The reason we have you on the podcast is because Annie here is um, uh, struggling. (laughs) I don't know. The understatement of the year. And like that's a big call because there's been a lot, a lot of stuff going on, on this year. Look, I not a fan of teaching, to be honest, especially of my own children. Mm. It's hard. It's really hard. You teachers are going to have it so much easier, I feel, when you all go back and everything goes back to normal because we've had a taste of how truly difficult it is. I feel like parents are going to back off a little bit now. I think we're going to get a lot more sympathy and a lot more support from parents after this, which is a sort of nice little side effect, I guess. But it's a shame we have to go through all of this. 
for that to happen. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. I, and I guess it's only going to last for as long as these kids are kids. Once the new lot comes through who didn't have to do homeschooling, it's going to go straight back. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Enjoy it <laughs> You'll have, yeah, a bit of a respite for, of a couple of years. Oh, sorry, and it's so see. lovely. We'll enjoy it. Okay, so, Annie, first of all, I hope that you're coping okay with the homeschool sit. Yeah, can you explain, before we get into yes. helping me, what is it looking like on your end? Well, it's looking like I actually am sleeping in. I'm not like I'm sleeping in an extra like hour every morning, which I'm not mad about because I don't have to drive to work. So that's great. But our days are pretty much online from nine till 3.30 with the kids at our school. So for us, it's lots of online teaching. So sort of face-to-face online teaching. So it's kind of like a normal, I guess, day for us. There's just lots more preparation involved in terms of getting all of their materials online and making sure that we're supporting the kids who maybe can't access the materials. So there's sort of lots more behind the scenes work going on than there would be if we were still at physical school, I guess. But I feel that that's the case. I mean, I did study to be a school teacher. I did two years and then realised it was not for me. But I remember thinking it'd be such a cruisy life because you get so many holidays. And then um, I remember when we started learning about lesson prep and our teacher was telling us, you've got to start, you know, basically your entire life is lesson prep. And and I know that people always think that teachers have it so easy because they get all these holidays, but you're not getting a holiday. You're planning the next term, the next semester. And it's there's so much work that goes into it already. So you, I take my hat off to all teachers everywhere because you guys work so hard. And I know that, you know, you're probably doing a lot of prep now, but it's, you're always doing prep. This isn't well, Yeah, <laughs> This is just like a nice little cherry on top. It's like, oh, now you've got to like put all this stuff online and, yeah. you know, <laughs> make videos to show the kids how to access it. And there's just another extra layer on top at the moment. So it's hard. It's really hard work, but it's worth it, I think. And there'd be a lot of parents reaching out, trying to correspond and stuff with you. Yeah. Which is, yep. you know, I can only it's- imagine how many emails and things you're having to read through. It's pretty hard. Our school's been really sort of proactive with the way that we're interacting and communicating with parents. So when the term finished in term one with the extra week of holidays, we stayed at school during that week and tested out our system and so we sort of got the bulk of our parent communication and feedback in that time and so we've had a smoother start to term two because we kind of worked out all the kinks but there's definitely lots of open lines of communication between parents and it's a learning curve for everybody so (laughs) yeah we got an email saying please don't contact the teachers directly because it's just too overwhelming it is yeah it's hard our school's still trying to get it all together it's yeah it's been really quite difficult and so we're at a public school and mm-hmm. there's obviously so many different levels. Access is ov- obviously a big thing, trying to online learn. Yeah. Well, some children don't have laptops and things. So that's no. like they've had to go around and distribute all them out and then, yeah, it's it's been a bit of a logistical nightmare for them. But yeah. I think we're f- slowly starting to get it together. My kids have only seen their teachers face-to-face once yeah. but this week I think that it'll be every day so yeah that's the best thing is that it's only going to get better it's not mm. going to get worse it's going to get better so everyone learns from what isn't working and all schools are sort of making sure that they can do everything they can to improve on it we know it was probably a bit of a shit show in the first 
week or so. And I think parents definitely felt that too. But I think it can only sort of improve and get better from this point, which is good. <laughs> yeah. Now, Annie has some questions for you. Because she, <laughs> and she's asking these questions on behalf of all parents everywhere. So the pressure mm-hmm. is incredibly high. <laughs> and I have zero children. So I probably have absolutely no credibility in answering these questions whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's 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 mostly about school. Obviously all the parenting stuff we have to navigate ourselves just like <laughs> you know the day that I brought them home they didn't come with a manual. So well there are plenty okay. of, you know, child Baby. rearing books, but Yeah, but they're actually all contradict each other. Oh. I've tried to You know what, Bianca, that is one self-help book that doesn't work. <laughs> Bianca's obsessed with self-help books. They change her life and the parenting ones are very very conflicting and confusing. All right, like let's start asking some questions. So the first one is straight out, what should the daily routine look like? Because I feel like we've changed our daily routine probably five times now. <laughs> yeah. Have you found one that's kind of working or Yeah, so we had one that for example, uh, so our kids are going to bed earlier. I can't handle it. It's too long. <laughs> I've I, seen I, you for too much today. Yeah, Go to bed. Yep. So uh, originally we had them going to bed, you know, if they were naughty, then go to bed at eight. But if they were good and abide by the schedule, then they go to bed at nine, right? Mm-hmm. No way. So usually their bedtime is like 7.30 at normal yeah. school time. We kept it a bit later because we're like, oh, we're in isolation and things are a bit different. So we actually had it a bit later. Oh, my God, absolutely not happening. I have to put these kids to bed earlier. So we've moved that an hour forward. <laughs> You're like, it's time to go to bed. But it's only 5.30. No, 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 no. It's 7.30. It's time to go to bed. We haven't done clocks yet, so you don't know how to read the clock. Yeah, I'm telling exactly. you, it's 7.30. Oh, and then daylight savings and everything came in and we had that extra hour. Oh, my oh, God. Daylight savings. Oh, daylight this is the first time with isolation that I didn't notice daylight savings at all. No. Well, it ended. It just, yeah. it, so we all got an extra hour and I thought, I can't. This I is not need the time. extra hours right now. Oh, exactly. So we've changed that and we used to go for a morning walk. Mm-hmm. But we've changed that as well because we've realised we need to have all of the energy straight up into the class and then yeah. we'll go for a walk after we've banged out some maths or whatever it is. I don't want to tire them out before we start. You're on the right track, absolutely. So I think you need to keep their routines like as predictable as possible because kids love routines and they love predictability. So they really thrive when they know what's coming next because not knowing what's coming next for kids actually creates a lot of stress and anxiety because they're spending a lot of brain power worrying about like, whoa, what's next, what's next? It's not good for their mental well-being. So I think by getting them up at the same time each day is really helpful if you can. So just getting them up at the same time each day have a good brekkie um, and you're spot on. So you need to try and cram in as much learning as you can in the morning when their brains are sort of alert and energetic and ready to go. So all the hard stuff, the maths and the literacy and all that before you have yep. a break for the morning is absolutely the best thing that you can be doing because that's when their brains are at their most sort of ready to learn. And then later on in the day is when you're doing all like sort of your real life stuff and you're acting. Yes. Oh my God. That's exactly what we were doing. So I was like, okay, we're doing the hard stuff straight up. And then we do, there's this subject called inquiry in the afternoon, which is they traced their hand and in each finger they had to put who helped them in their life. And we do, you know, pictures and stuff on respect and responsibility Mm. and yeah, exactly. Real life stuff. I'm not doing... 
the feely, you know. Touchy feely. No, wait, hold on. That sounded wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I know teachers don't do that. Um, Yeah, the emotional stuff up top. We're doing the hard like academic stuff up to yeah, the academic stuff that's the way to think about it so the academic stuff in the morning and then have a break like around the time that you, they'd have a break at school so like 10 30 11 o'clock and that's a good time to go for that run or burn some energy off and then yeah the rest of the day I've read some articles saying that three hours is sort of the expected time that primary school age kids should be spending on their schoolwork every day and any more than that is probably beyond their capabilities in terms of attention and that sort of stuff at the moment. So if you can sort of get those two, three hours in the morning where you're really focused and then the rest of the day is a bit more sort of loosey-goosey, I guess, and you can do the real-life stuff like the mm. cooking and the playing and the touchy-feely stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we did like flower pressing and yes. yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. All right. That's so- actually very helpful. I, uh, that That's is so helpful. Straight feel- off the bat. I mean, you've knocked it out of the park. <laughs> uh, don't get too good, all right? Don't don't impress it too much. I don't worry. Why don't you start asking me questions about like parent stuff? Like <laughs> I don't know. All right, my next one is: What is a good study environment? What does it look like? What's a good study environment look like? Yeah, cool. So if you can, try and get a space set up where you don't have to set it up every day, if it's possible. So if you can have a space that you leave set up, just so you don't have to worry about packing it down at the end of every day. But if you do have to repack it up, the kids should be responsible for that. So they should be the ones who have to set it up and pack it up at the end of every day. So they need to be, they need to be setting it up because it's their learning space. So they should be getting everything ready. They should be making sure that they've got their books and stuff ready to go and they pack it up. So you give oh them my that God, that is not happening. <laughs> I'm like at 10 o'clock at night, like putting their little books out and I'm getting the right pencil because Delphi's got bad pencil grip and she, she gets mm-hmm. that pencil and th- that eraser and Cheska's got to make sure the permanent textures are nowhere near her and <laughs> you know, whatever. And I'm setting it all up. So don't do that. I can make them do it. See oh, how they go. okay. Yeah, all right. And because then that gives them a bit of responsibility over their space too and then they are responsible for keeping it tidy and if they don't have something there, that's on them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this kind of gives them a bit of ownership over the space as well. And then I think you just need to make sure that they are in a space where they can sit comfortably. If they're there for a couple of hours, they sort of need to make sure that if you can, they've got a chair with a back on it that they're not hunched over, so not sitting on the couch to work or lying in bed to work or anything like that because their brain's just going to think that it's time to relax and not be switched on. So it sort of needs to be like a separate space where they know they're coming to work and then their brain sort of switches into learning mode, I guess. We've converted our dining table. So we don't eat at the dining table anymore. We're lucky enough to have a room. So that room is now school. We've put all of the learning stuff in the one room, printed off the routine, and we've put it up on the wall in there. So we've pretty much converted that whole space into learning. And then also it meant that we weren't living on top of where we were having to work. So there's a real separation between work and play. I want there to be a clear break. So when they're going to play, they're not feeling like they're on top of all of this stuff that's a bit hard. It's the same, like anybody who's working from home has the same thing. Like they have a defined workspace and you need to have that separation. Otherwise, it's all consuming. I've done the same thing with my setup. I've put it up one end of the house so that when I'm up there, I'm in work mode and then I can physically walk away from it and leave it up that end of the house so Mm. that I can make that separation because otherwise you'd be just, is overwhelming and all-consuming. So I think the fact that you can do that and put it all in one room is really, really helpful. Uh, The other thing I've done, which I don't know if this is a bit naughty, but 
at home, my kids constantly want snacks. See, at mm-hmm. school, they've got allocated times and everything, and I, that's great. At home, they really push my boundaries. They're just like, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And I tried the, okay, well, you've just got to wait for the break, look at the time, blah, blah, blah. I've just ended up putting like a fruit bowl in the yeah, middle of the table because I'm like, yep. I can't have them going back and forth between the kitchen because no. it just doesn't stop. So no. now we've got apples and bananas on the table. I'm like, okay, I don't care if my kids are eating as they're studying now. That's right. I don't think that's a problem at all. And I know okay. some of our families have even still been packing their lunch boxes, packing the same things that they'd pack. And then, yeah, they can eat it whenever they want, but that's the food that you've got while you're at school. So ration it out, eat it all at once, do what you want, but that's what you get. <laughs> yes, that's so good. Although, yeah. you know, I really making school lunches seems awful so yeah it is yeah. school lunches is up there with the worst things in parenting <laughs> yeah I honestly so I if, you don't, if you don't want to do that like I don't think that's a bad thing either but, yeah. but at the end of the day you're still going to make your kids you're lunch you're still making it yeah at yeah. the same time it doesn't matter if you make you it have to feed school. your children <laughs> at some point they will have to eat that's the thing <gasps> I know I mean they just don't end it never ends looking after kids I have, does it I have very grudgingly made dinners and as I'm stirring the past or whatever it is cried in to it why do my kids have to eat every day like why why is that a requirement the nerve if I was a single person and I didn't want to cook I just don't I just don't eat it's your choice yeah but you don't have that choice when you have kids exactly so selfish selfish of them they are they're such little leeches so Annie I've been finding that Mm. and maybe maybe you were saying that you won't be able to help with the parenting side of things, but mm. I'm finding my kids argue with me a lot. And I don't yes. know if that you find that as a teacher, but I'm finding <laughs> my kids are putting up lots of roadblocks for me. Yes. I suppose my question is, how do I motivate them to learn? That's a good question. So I grew up with a dad who was a school teacher and I remember every time he tried to help me with my homework, it was just World War Three. We yeah. got along so well all the other times, but as soon as he tried to help me with my homework, I was just like, Dad, yeah. stop it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the first thing you got to remember is that it's okay to get frustrated with each other. There's a big difference in the type of relationship between a parent and their child and a teacher and their child. And I think there's more boundaries between a teacher and a child. So the frustration and the arguing, they wouldn't do that with a teacher because it's not the same type of relationship. But I think you've got to remember it's okay to be frustrated and it's okay to have those times. And if it means that you have to have a break for 10 minutes and go and do something else, go and jump on the trampoline, go and walk the dog, go and do something like that and come back to your learning, that's okay. But some of the ways that you can motivate the kids is to set goals. So whether it's these are your tasks for today, let's see if we can do all of these together and take a bit of an interest in what they're doing, which I'm sure you're doing anyway. But just, you know, ask them questions about what they're doing. See if they can teach you. So say, oh, can you show me how to do that? I, I need help. Like, can you show me what you're doing? And sort of get them to feel like, oh, like mum and dad need my help with this. I can, yeah. <laughs> I can show them this. Feeling like they know something and they can help you with something thing really gives them a bit of a sense of power and oh I can I can help with that the other thing that's really good you've already got your schedule up so being able to see this is what you've got to achieve this time block that's all it is it's just this little bit that really helps too knowing that they're not there for the whole day and they've got hours and hours and hours to do things that helps as well and going on from that using timers is really helpful too So even if you can set timers and things on iPads or watches or whatever and say it just needs to be 15 minutes or 30 minutes, we've just got to get through this 30 minutes. Then once you've done that, 
you can have a break. You've just got to be really careful trying not to offer bribes, I guess, being like, if you do this work, you can have this. Or the opposite, which is what I kind of do. I'm constantly (laughs) like... You won't get this? Yeah, no, I say Maliki. If you don't start, then I'm going to have to take away your Xbox. And then he's like, well, now I resent everything. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah. I think if you go more down the like, I don't like, I don't know, I don't have kids. So it's hard. This is my ideal <laughs> scenario, I guess. But if you can kind of go, hey, if you do this two hours of work, then absolutely you can have some Xbox time. But I need this from you as well. You need to sort of be like, we're a team. You've got a job to do. I've got a job to do. And I need you to do this before you can have your Xbox sort of thing let him know that he needs to come to the party as well and he needs to pull his weight and he needs to do stuff first and then absolutely he can have his xbox but he's got to do his part of the job as well yeah yeah totally so obviously there is a big difference between so at the moment i'm really hands-on learning because i have twins that are in grade one and maliki who's in grade three and wow Can I just say there's a massive difference between those two? So the twins are very hands-on. I have to – they're still, you know, learning to read. They can't even – they can't even read a lot of the questions and they don't know what the tasks are. So I have to explain a lot of it. Where Maliki Mm -hmm. is a little bit more sit with him and guide him, but he can read it all and he can sort of navigate. I've been thinking then – I can only imagine what it's like for a parent of, say, a VCE child or a high school mm-hmm. child. That's totally different. That's completely different to, to try and navigate. I assume they're doing things like watching how much social media their child's <laughs> having and stuff like that. Yeah. So what do parents with older children do to support those older children? Yeah, good question. Again, like it's out of my area of expertise because I'm a primary school teacher. But in my mind, I think it's the same principle of, you know, obviously they do want to be on social media and they do want to be doing things that interest them. But I think you need to do the same thing. So say, I need this from you first before you can access this. So not taking things away from them, but giving them an option to use them in a healthy way to sort of give them a bit of a break from their schooling because I'm guessing for VCE kids it's pretty full on and it's pretty daunting at the moment because their workload is going to be a lot bigger than primary school age kids at the moment. But there's lots of great apps and things like Focus Keeper apps where you work a 20 minute block and then get a five minute break. And so what is that? It's an app. Yeah, there's an app called Focus Keeper. It's amazing. It's based on this Pomodoro's method. So it's you work for 20 minutes, have a five minute break, and then you repeat that four times and then you get a longer break. It's a report writing godsend. It's the only way I can get my reports written because I <laughs> just procrastinate madly. But if you work for 20 minutes, have a short five minute break, 20 minutes, short five minute break, and then you get this longer break at the end. And I think doing things like that, like if they can work for 20 minutes, check their social media, message their friends for five minutes, all right, now it's back to 20 minutes of work. If that's what you need to do to sort of keep the balance, I guess, then give it a go. I'm not sure. It's not my area of expertise. I don't know what the expectations are on kids that are that age at the moment, but that would be my sort of guessing. That works for me, being able to break my time down into chunks. And it is harder because, like, say Maliki in the Xbox, well, the twins have each other. So they're quite good in that they play together and they've got so many bonuses to being twins. 
where Melly is missing his friends. And so yeah. I can't say take away the Xbox because that's the way that all his friends socialise now. It's less about gaming and more about social connections. So mm-hmm. that time that he would have spent in class with friends, he's not spending that anymore. So yeah. I'm actually allowing him to play a little bit more Xbox because they all have that, you know, that like talky thing. Little mic, they, yeah, the little mic. Yeah, the little mic. Yeah, and they all chat to each other and they and little I hear, headset. The headset. Yeah. I hear them all talk about, you know, what did you do today? Oh, yeah, I did that task. And they're actually talking about schoolwork. So I don't want to be taking things like that away at all because I realise that there needs to be a balance between still having social health. Yeah, there does. It's a huge thing. And like it's something that teachers are really cognizant of and worried about at the moment because social connection is a massive part of physical school. And for a lot of kids, we've been talking to ours, like we do a check-in and a check-out every day where we pretty much just put them in a little Zoom breakout room and they can just talk to their friends. But that's the highlight of most of their days is where they get to see their friends and they get to chat to their friends because you kind of don't realise how much social interaction they actually have at school. So I think you're right. Being able to connect, you'll find that they are talking about school. They are being like, oh, how'd you go with that maths thing? Like, <laughs> Because that's what they'd be talking about while they're doing it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's important to keep any social connections you can open. Yeah. yeah. My other question, less social but more interpersonal, mm. is that I'm having a really tough time balancing home life, work life, schooling life, right? Mm. And I think because, again, the twins need so much hands-on learning. Maliki, if we just had Maliki, that's what (laughs) Liam and I keep saying to each other. We're like, why did we have more? Why didn't we just have the one? So if we just had him, it might be different. It'd set him up and I'd be able to work. But we really are doing the juggling act between trying to prioritise which things. I'm having so much trouble being able to step away and be able to – switch between teacher mom and then I'm just nurturing normal mom and then okay now I'm working please don't talk to me mom yeah I'm just wondering how do I go about being able to pull myself away sometimes but also balancing all of those hats yeah Again, not my area of expertise, (laughs) but I think you've already started off by creating that separate learning space. I think you've already sort of started creating that boundaries within that zone. You are teacher mum and you are there to help them with their learning. And then outside of that space, you turn back into nurturing mum, I guess. Mm -hmm. But then with the work side of things, I guess you can even set up pretty strict boundaries with the kids I guess and say from this time to this time like this is my work time so the morning is your work time and that's when I'm there to help you but in the afternoon that might be when they're doing more of the hands-on play-based real life stuff that they can do a bit more independently and you might even say to them during that time like I'm going to set a timer for an hour or 30 minutes or whatever and for that hour I'm not here you've got to pretend that I'm not here and then and then I come back and just set the house on fire yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, you're not there, but you're there. No, I know. There, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to mentally check out as well. Yes. <laughs> oh. Go for a long walk. I'll be back. <laughs> but I mean, Annie, you would probably have the same thing, I guess, where Which when you're Annie? at school. Oh, oh that Annie. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> When you're at school, you're in teacher mode and you're stern and because you know, I, I yeah. work, you know, my work voice is different mm. to my normal voice. Yeah. Absolutely. So I guess it's just a matter of 
that school zone is strictly school zone in the house yeah. and yeah. stepping out of it, stepping in and out of it, I guess. Yeah. And you would see kids outside of school too. So yeah, exactly. Does yeah. that happen? Not as much as I thought it would. No. I think our families are pretty spread out, so I don't see them too often, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. Some of the teachers at our school also have kids that go to the school. My girls are friends with one of the teacher's children. And so they see that teacher outside of school a little bit. And the, uh, it's really hard for them to compute what's is. going on. Like, wait, hold on. Now that's a parent, but wait, that's my teacher. Was your dad at your school or a different school? Uh, um, no, he works at a special education school, so... Different school, thank goodness. I remember one time we had the performance where I grew up in the country, so all the schools in the area came together. He was there and he yelled at everybody to make them be quiet and I was just like, mm, it was so mortifying. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> and, like, I'd never heard him yell ever in my life. I was in high school and I'd never heard him yell. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> I've heard that, well, actually, I've seen online on some people's Instagram that they're making their kids put on their school clothes still mm. just to make sure that the kids know that they're actually meant to be doing school work I'm not doing yeah. that because that's just another fight I'd be having with my kids I have a fashionista in the house and I just can't <laughs> be bothered fighting with her to do anything yet no. oh, I thought you were the fashionista have you have a look at me right now I'm in <laughs> tracky um, but I have made my kids start calling me Mrs Nolan <laughs> Which is funny because my kid's school goes by first names. Mm. But Liam is Mr. Pickin and I'm Mrs. Nolan. Mm. And that is to put a boundary between mum and dad. (laughs) And I don't want – because otherwise they're like, mum – Mom oh. And I'm like, I can't. Oh, my God, but how awkward is it when you're at school and you accidentally go to call the teacher's name and you call oh. them mom? <laughs> and you're like, I don't know what heard that. Oh. Has that ever happened to you? Has anyone ever called oh. you? constantly like all the time because I've got younger kids it's their default and like mum Annie like because we're the same like we're first name first name school but yeah they're like oh and then they look all mortified I just find it hilarious someone (laughs) called me nan once and I was like (laughs) my favorite thing is when my kids when they're a little bit younger they don't do it now but when they'd go up to someone thinking it was me and they'd start cuddling around their legs yeah. And you're standing there watching them cuddle. Like, That's awful of me. Like watching them cuddle a stranger. And the stranger looks down like, oh, hi. And they look up like, oh, you're not my mum. Mortified. I went to university, I learned about the eight different types of learning. Yes. So there's eight different types of learning and Mm. there's – the reason why I thought it was so crazy is because certain people learn certain ways and they fall into these eight groups of learning. And then our teacher, when they were teaching us at uni, they were like, so it would be best if you could figure out which every student is and then (laughs) customise the work plan to suit all (laughs) And I was like, yeah, no worries. Just add another fucking pile of stress onto what I'm already doing. I was like, if you have 33 kids in a class, how am I supposed to do that? But the interesting thing I think about homeschooling is that now you have a 
chance to sort of hone in and realize how your child learns and I guess maybe change the plan to suit how they learn. So the eight different types of linguistic learner who learns by reading and writing, the naturalist who works with and experiencing nature or observing nature, the musical one who learns with melody or rhythm. Like There's a whole bunch of them. I think that people will find this really helpful if Mm. they are listening and they're homeschooling their kids. Let's go through them. The kinesthetic learner learns by actually doing something. There's the visual or spatial learner that learns with visual aids. The logical or mathematical learner who classifies or categorizes things. The intrapersonal learner who learns best alone. And then the interpersonal learner who learns best in social situations. So there's these different learners. Mm. And I think what I found really interesting about it was because at school, most of the learning is done by learning linguistically. So it's the reading Mm -hmm. and the writing. And that's one of the eight ways of learning. So there are lots of students that are really bright, but on their school grades, because they don't learn that certain way, they might be considered not quite as bright Mm. uh, because they're not learning that way. So I just thought maybe if there were people out there and they could look at the way that their child learns and maybe try and teach them that way, that would be like now's a good time to do that. Absolutely. And I think a lot of the feedback that we've got from parents is like it's really interesting to see how your kid learns and what they tap into and what makes them feel overwhelmed. Parents are actually getting a massive insight into how their kids sort of learn, which is a great sort of byproduct of this because there's a deeper level of understanding and, you know, knowledge about your kids, which is really cool. But I think you're absolutely right. I think it's time that you can, like if your kid, I know I teach kids who they can't retain more than one or two instructions at a time. So if you're just talking to them and giving them verbal instructions, you've lost them at step two. So I know that as teachers, we have to make sure that our instruction is really differentiated so that we're trying to catch kids at every level. If we're doing more sort of when we're doing inquiry and things like that, we need to cater for all those different kids. So if there's a kid who learns best by doing things, you can't just offer them a mode where they have to write things down because it's not the way that they're going to learn and it's not the way they're going to be able to show their understanding either. So there's some kids who just really shine by being able to make things and show their understanding through making and doing. So I think it's a great opportunity to sort of give your kids a chance to shine in different ways. Yeah, Yeah. I was having this discussion with Bianca off air and I said that even the way, how do I put this, all three of my kids after she read that out I know that they're different learners. Mm. Um, I haven't still put my finger on which one they are, but they're different learners. But also the way that you go about teaching them, not just from the way that they can learn, but the way that they emotionally are is really different. Liam keeps putting it back to coaching football. Of Mm -hmm. course he does because he... That's the way he learns. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly, right? He said, for example, in footy, there's two... I mean, there's lots of different coaching styles, but there's two really obvious ones. There's the coach that yells and screams at you and sort of almost abuses you. Mm. Really, Like a drill sergeant. Like a drill sergeant, exactly. And they're really good for those kind of lazy players, but really bad for the players that have anxiety and things like that, right? (laughs) Exactly. Like he was saying that, you know, some players then all that does is put extra pressure on them. So if they're lining up in front of goal, they're just thinking about their coach up in the coach's box, screaming at them and it's too much pressure. But then someone else that needs a lot of motivation, then that's really good. But then there's the other type of coaching, which is very, how's your home life? Are you eating well? You know, that was really good positive reinforcement, I suppose Mm -hmm. you'd say. Like, 
like that was really good but maybe we should try this way but that's a really bad style for kind of a lazy footballer right that enables them to not try very hard anyway he keeps saying this because he thinks that the twins are the opposite (laughs) and he's like Cheska needs to be told sit down stop it concentrate quite strict with her she doesn't ever cry like she she needs to be told Mm -hmm. where Delphi if you so much as raised your voice a slight little bit her heart is crushed and she's brought to tears and then Malachi is a totally different thing where he's all about people pleasing if you go I am so proud of you Malachi that is so amazing you're such a good kid he will feed off that and he will keep going but Mm -hmm. if you say I'm so disappointed in you he would be brought to tears If I said to the girls, I'm so proud of you, Chesk would say, oh, there would be motivation to muck around. She actually is a class clown. She doesn't (laughs) want to please you. Hearing that she might have done something good actually is not good for her. She doesn't Mm. like that. She's like, hold on, I don't want to be a sucker. (laughs) Yeah. And then Delphi, (laughs) if we said, oh, I'm so proud of you, Delphi, that is so amazing, Delphi would go, stop looking at me, stop giving me attention, and she'd run off to her room. Yeah. So, oh, my God, <laughs> we are dealing with three really different kids that mm-hmm. like one needs to kind of be told off, kind of be told, sit down, stop it. The other one that's just like, okay, sort of nurturing, but mm-hmm. try and just keeping it level. And then the other one that's you know, lots and lots of praise, like a, like a dog, right? Like a dog. <laughs> I just want to say, wow. Holy shit. These are our own kids. I've made these with my body. I've raised them since they were tiny. You are getting like a brand new class every single year. You've got a lot more students. You've got more than three. You've got a lot of students. And I know you were saying you've got that boundary that maybe parents don't have, but you have to quickly get to know them. And then all of a sudden they change at the end of the year. By the time you get to figure them out, they change. (laughs) I know. By term four, it's like, okay, I've got this. Like I can, I've worked them out. And then it's like, all right, now you get 20 something new kids. And it's like, oh, for fuck's sake, like you've got to do, you've got to start all over again. We in like high school, we had a year coordinator who would get you in year eight and then would take you through to year 12. So that was sort of like, they would look after you. They they weren't your teacher, but they looked after your cohort. Yeah, we had that too. Yeah, we yeah. had cool. tutor groups. So we yeah. had our teacher and in year eight, she had us and that was like maybe one of her first years of teaching. And then by year 12 <laughs> at the graduation, her speech was talking about, <laughs> I'll never forget her, her speech. She read out her fake diary. And so in like year eight, she's like, you know, got the new classes and she would start it off by saying units of wine a week were two a week. And then by year nine, the glasses of wine a week was three or four for a week and then by year 12 she was just constantly drinking and like she quit the year after we left she obviously was just like this was enough I don't want to deal with these kids and then I was walking through the shops and I ran into her at a store and then it turns out she worked there I was like did you quit teaching and she was like I had to she's like your kids destroyed me and I had to leave and I thought oh Oh my god. I'm so sorry. I, think I might be giving the same speech at the end of the year. I feel like I relate to that teacher so much. I might say to my kids, okay, I think I quit parenting. I felt terrible. Uh, I would have made her life a living hell, I'm sure of it. And I just thought, fuck, teachers just put up with so much shit. I feel terrible for all mm. of you. Honestly. 
<laughs> well, I mean, keep doing what you're doing. Love it. I mean, but I'm talking you out of yeah, it. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I like, and then coming from on the other angle, when I went and did my prac at uni, that was when I was like, oh, it's definitely not for me. Yeah, because I went to high school and the teacher that I was meant to be assigned to wasn't there and I had to go to a different teacher and she was explaining to me what had happened. The teacher had to leave. He was on medical leave because a student had thrown a brick at his head. <gasps> oh. Yeah, and I was like, remind me again why I want to be a teacher. This is not for me. Absolutely no. not for me. It's terrifying. It's hard. We went through a time, I was in year nine, I think, and we went through five math teachers in a year. We just kept driving them out. It was awful. Now I just have humongous guilt about it, but we were just horrible to all these poor young teachers who came out to the country to like teach. And then there was just all these mean 15-year-olds who broke them. Yeah, I remember in year eight, this fucking awful, God, we were awful. It used to be a sport to make the teacher cry. Mm. So we would keep tabs on how many teachers we could make cry. Is that not this is and that's this is payback now. This is every parent that was mean to their teacher at school is now paying for it dearly. Oh my god. And the parents that were good at school. And every single parent is paying yeah. for it right now. And for all parents right now. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Annie. I just after hearing all that, what is a relatively good outcome for not just me. <laughs> oh, mine is survival. I know that my yeah. outcome is just to make it. But what's a relatively good outcome for my kids when we come out of all this? I think that there are a lot of parents right now that mm. are absolutely freaking out about where their kids are at and if they're going to have to repeat a year and will we always be playing catch up. But what is a good outcome for the kids yeah. when we're all on the other end? Yeah, so I don't think if there's a scenario where a kid has to repeat a year because of what's happening right now, like that is messed up and that should not happen because everybody's in the same boat right now. Like all kids and from every walk of life are all disadvantaged in their learning right now, no matter how supportive their parents are, how supportive their school is. All kids are disadvantaged at the moment in terms of how they can access their learning. So I think that any school that penalizes a kid for how they perform during this time yeah not not great but I think the best outcome for this is that your kids come out of it feeling supported and safe and happy so as long as you can get them coming out of this feeling like they're still in a safe and supported environment then that's great if they've engaged in some sort of literacy or numeracy every day that's awesome so if they've read every day if they've maybe written something every day if they've done something to related to maths every day whether it's cooking or measuring things or something like that if they're doing some sort of literacy or numeracy every day that's a great outcome if you're all still alive that's a great bonus so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a great outcome if everyone survives <laughs> yeah yeah and that i think there's going to be a bonus to all of this is that everyone's going to come out of this a little bit more resilient and a little bit better at problem solving. We've sort of noticed that a lot of our families are getting better at thinking on their feet and solving problems together really well. So I think that's going to be sort of a little bonus out of all of this is that, like you said, you're going to know your kids a bit better. You're going to be able to work as a team a bit better, hopefully. Um, And yeah, I think that's a good outcome that you sort of understand your kids a bit better as well. I have been thinking a lot. You were saying we're all disadvantaged and we really are. But I have been thinking a lot of all the poor kids that say, you know, like they're still going to be like the divide is going to get greater. Even though we're all not, uh, we're not advantaged 
there are some that are even more yeah, disadvantaged yeah. in that there are, will be kids that say their home life is really bad or their parents, they're not engaged. Yeah. They don't, say, have heating and warmth or yeah. they don't have access to things, you know, domestic violence and all that. Mm. What do you think the education system is going to do? When we all go back, do you think that kids will just stay in the grades that they were in and, and they will play catch up? Or do you think that this is going to be something that's, do you think that this is going to carry on right up into the future or do you think that we're going to be able to solve this? It's so challenging, especially like you said about the heating and things like that. Coming up to winter, these poor kids who maybe live in low socioeconomic areas and have families who have lost their jobs or don't have work at the moment, these kids are the ones that I think every teacher goes to bed at night thinking about and worrying about and wondering if they're doing enough to support them. I know in the the agreement that came out, the conditions for like being able to go to school and go into school to learn, there are conditions in there for kids who are severely disadvantaged at home or who don't have a safe place at home to work. They are allowed to go into school, which is really, really good. But I think, unfortunately, we don't know what the impact's going to be on these kids until they come back to physical school, whether that's in term three. Hopefully it's no later than term three. But I think there'll be impacts socially and emotionally on some of these kids that we absolutely will have to work really hard on sort of helping them overcome because, unfortunately, for some of these kids, they are going to be in a space where they're not getting supported and, you know, they're not getting the sort of love and care that other kids are. And I think they're the ones that we really need to keep in our in our minds and sort of look to how we're going to, you know, support them. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to. That gonna... makes me want to cry. Oh, but, but and, and like, that's, again, it, a lot of this ends up falling on teachers. And I feel for you is because you do more than just teach you do Mm. a lot of like you were saying you go to bed thinking about kids and yeah I think that's going to be made even more complex when you go back so thank you for doing what you do I suppose we should Mm. round this out yeah okay Annie (laughs) as a teacher top five tips for parents right now what are the big ones that you think the the takeaways yeah the takeaways from all of this top five Give okay. them to me, please. All right. First one, be kind to yourself, okay? So you are not a teacher. You haven't been to uni for four years and trained to be a teacher. So be kind to yourself. If you don't understand how to do multiplication in the boxes, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you need to be kind to yourself. You're not there to take the place of a teacher. You're still a parent first and foremost. And you need to remember that you've taught them so many things in their lives already. We're just there to sort of refine what you've already taught them. Oh, so that's a good one. I have taught them things. You have. You are a good teacher. You've yes, already taught them things. That gives me confidence. <laughs> yes. You need to have realistic expectations of the kids and of yourself. So you can't expect that you're going to replicate the physical school environment at home. You can't expect that your kids are going to be little angels every day and do what they're meant to do every day. And so you just need to be realistic about the output of work that's going to happen every day. And I think that comes on to my next one as well, which is you need to be flexible. So if something's not working, you just need to say, okay, and you need to take a breath and you need to step away. So you just need to be flexible. You've got the opportunity to be flexible. Most schools aren't giving you a highly structured day where they have to do this, 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 and this. Yep. So you have the opportunity to be flexible. 
if your kids are bouncing off the walls, fucking take them for the walk. Go outside. Like <laughs> you don't have to keep them in the box and say, we've got to wait till 11. We've got to wait till 11. You can take them for a walk. Do what you need to do to get through the day. Yeah. You need to have a sense of humor. So I think you've got to try and <laughs> laugh and make it fun and wherever you can as well, because that's one of my massive coping mechanisms as a teacher is having a laugh and being a bit silly. My teaching partner and I, every Friday we've started a new challenge where we have set a challenge for the kids. So Friday was wear as much yellow as you can. So I had just head to toe yellow on all day. So you've got to have a bit of fun. That's my favourite colour. I (laughs) like that. bright and sunny. (laughs) Happy colour. Yes. And the last one is don't be too proud to ask for help. So if you are struggling, your schools are there to help you and support you. And other parents too. Hopefully your school community has, you know, you've got some people within that community who you can reach out to and ask for help because 100% chance that if you're feeling a certain way, there'll be other parents who are feeling the same way. Only in the last week, my friends that are also parents of similar age kids and stuff, we just started a small WhatsApp group for our little friendship group and we will put in there hey on this worksheet question two what the hell is that (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that is and so we actually help each other along it's not like a massive community it's just our friends so that we feel comfortable to ask because we do also have an online Facebook group for the entire year level which are small broad questions but those really little ones there you're embarrassed (laughs) yeah you don't want people to know that you don't know (laughs) what that means exactly we ask each other like one of them popped up in there the other day we had to create a obstacle course and Mm -hmm. she was just having a laugh because she doesn't have a backyard at all so the poor kid was going through like (laughs) chairs in the kitchen and stuff and she goes this is the saddest obstacle race I've ever seen (laughs) indoor parkour yeah Yeah. but we're finding humor through that as well so it's like the last two points you said is that we've being able to support each other and haven't been too proud to ask for help. We are also not annoying the teacher completely by asking questions all the time and we're supporting each other, but also finding humour in how ridiculous it is that we're teachers. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) That's so good. I hope that like, I'm sure that most parents have sort of found some sort of outlet and little community that they can Mm. access because it's such a lifesaver. Even as teachers, we have a little Slack channel where we can just talk to each other throughout the day and sort of share things that are happening or being like oh I can't get this program to work being able to communicate is a massive massive part of survival at the moment I think I know I was thinking about how the Spanish flu happened in a time where we didn't have zoom calls and how much harder it would have been just being at home and all you can really do is yeah I think it it is a it is a good time in human existence to have a pandemic really Oh, like, like I'm, oh, not, I'm not. I mean, if we're taking the silver line, I mean, like, it's a great time for a pandemic. It's never been more easy to communicate yeah. with one another. Yeah, yeah. we are lucky exactly. in that way. All right, I've got a funny story. I thought that we could end this on. You are going to judge me, but I, I'm just going to throw it out. There. <laughs> She's already nodding. I like, thought yeah. that this might be a good way to find the humour in how hilarious it is that I'm teaching my kids. All right. So the other day uh, we're doing WH words with the twins, right? By the way, what is it when two letters come together come to, together make, to one make one no- one thing? A so blend. Th- oh, a blend. I see, I have no. See, I, <laughs> like, we didn't know that. Anyway, no. so WH words <laughs> and the teacher done a little video and she'd explained it and it was like, 
what, the word what, and she's like, they often, you know, what, wh, and then oh, t, and broke it all down, and then when, where, and, right. So she gave us what and when, and then she gave us whale. And our task was to go out into our books. So we have like a library, so that's, mm-hmm. that is an advantage. So go off to the books and find WH words on books. And right. luckily we found Where's Wally straight away, so we got the word where. Woohoo! And then I'm a really lazy parent. And like I was saying, I just want to do a little bit more hands-off learning. Like I just don't want to be there all the way. These twins are just a lot, right? They're at that age where they need a lot of guidance. Yeah. So I might have cheated. And I said, there's this amazing book, girls. It's called a dictionary. They'd never heard of it before. And in it is every word. So we, I got the dictionary out and I explained to him, like, it's alphabetized. Let's see if we can do it. And I explained to them, I think that's learning, right? That's I explained, exactly what <laughs> Right. It, I was like, it's alphabetized. Okay. Showed them how to do it. I actually felt like a good parent. Got to W and then I explained, all right, now we look for the second letter. And then all of a sudden we found four pages worth of WH words. Woohoo! <laughs> and I then gave them a book and I said, go and impress your teachers, girls. Look how many words we've found. And then I just went away for a while. In fact, I think I made myself a coffee and went outside. Came back to see what words they'd written down and they'd got wheelchair and whistle and whore. <laughs> and I just could not stop laughing. I said to the girls, I'm like, oh, God, can you read out what they are? And then the, what, and then like reading all these WH words. And then they got to whore and um, they're going, and then it's got an E on the end, E. They're like, it's worry. And I'm like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> It's worry. Uh, so just don't read the definition. But Never. the funniest part is they take a photo of their work and then they send it to the teacher, right? Mm-hmm. For the teacher to look at because I'm not meant to be correcting their stuff. The teacher still has to. And they'd already sent it off. So it has the word whore on their worksheet. Which they're meant to see from a book. So the teacher's probably thinking, what books do you have in your whorehouse of a home? I mean, what's going on? And then they're going to be like, okay, so that's how you spell worry. So like, they're going to be like, all right, don't. Whore. <laughs> Don't worry. I know. One of the teachers reached out to me. She's so funny and we're good mates. But she said to me, she goes, please don't break your children. I have to fix them when they come back. Mm. So <laughs> she goes, it's okay that, you know, that, you know, if you don't teach them everything, that's fine. But please maybe don't teach them whore. So. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's good because whore is often very misspelled you know people spell it h-o-a-r or (laughs) h-o-r-e so it's nice that they're getting there from the ground up you know yeah (laughs) Yeah. thank you so so much much, Annie. thanks for having me yeah you actually i really like you god damn it (laughs) sorry Yeah, she's been uh, quite amicable with you today and I, I'm quite surprised. I'm surprised. I'm going to wait for the death threats to come. <laughs> no, I've got even more found respect for you. God damn, your name's, your name's great and you're a teacher. You've got everything going for you. And she can play netball really well. So oh, stop. That. Although I will say 
say when Annie first played netball with us, like the very first game, she was like, yeah, I'm pretty good at netball. And like the, the whistle blew for the first game and Annie just fell over. Like she wasn't even running. She just fell over my own feet. <laughs> I was like, oh, Great. Welcome to Thanks the team. <laughs> Welcome to the team. You fit in here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why is every Annie I know clumsy? What's oh, that about? <laughs> thank you so much. And, you know, yeah. thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for coming on here and chatting to us. And, and I really hope that you're surviving. You know, this episode really was about helping out parents. But I hope that the teachers out there are all surviving as well. And... Just a bit of love from one parent to one teacher. Thank you. Yeah. We're yeah. a team. We can all do this. We just got to be kind to each other. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Oh, now she's Buddha. Oh, she's so <laughs> kind. <laughs>